Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. We're back with a, a, a series on insurance again, building on uh, the start we had with Eric Davidson from Event Insure. And today in the studio, we've got Eric Davidson, Peter Locke from Event Insure, and Aaron Wilkinson from Signature Live. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. So walk us through a process of, of either looking for a new insurance broker, looking for a new supplier. What's the process that an event should look at when they're, when they're getting into either reevaluating their insurance or looking for a new, new insurer? So when you're looking for a new brokerage you, or a new insurance company, um, you want to make sure that they're actually specializing in it. Um, a lot of brokerages will say that they're doing home and auto and then have the capabilities of doing commercial. But you want to make sure that whatever broker you are working with knows what markets that they're going to be working with that specifically deal with events. And for example, Aaron here working with uh, Signature Live, she would have an expertise in that area. So, so again, breaking it down for, let's say somebody's new into this business and, and, and go through the broker and the insurance company. So as a broker, um, Event Insure is a broker. Yep. And then how many different companies would you deal with within that brokerage? Let's say there's probably five or six markets out there that do event insurance. It is growing. There are more companies coming into it every day. But overall, there's probably 50 insurance companies for commercial insurance, period whether it's general liability, directors and officers, things like that. So as an event, a major, let's say I'm a major event and I'm, you're my broker, you may have gone to all five different people and my insurance coverage might be compiled of five different aspects, each handled by a different supplier? Potentially, yes. Ideally, when working with Aaron, we want to try and keep everything together, whether it's the general liability, the property, the actual event liability, liquor liability, that type of thing. But if we have to and say one market isn't able to do it, then we'll go to another market. So Aaron, I'm an event and, and Eric's my broker. What are some of the questions you're looking for from him and from me as the event uh, manager? So basically we'd be looking for things like the number of attendees, um, if there's gonna be any outdoor or indoor exposure, things like liquor and food, uh, type of event, of course, um, if it's a, you know, a family food and beverage festival, music festival, those are the kind of you know basic details we need to sort of evaluate and decide if it's something that we are comfortable insuring, and then we start to sort of probe further from there. And, and does past history come into play? Um, uh, you know, I'm a new festival, it's my first year out, as opposed to it's my 10th year running and I've had no incidents. Absolutely. Um, usually we like to see, even if it is a first year festival, we like to see if they have any prior experience through um, some other type of festival organization or organization of events, event planners. So at least they have some sort of background. Um, it's not 100% required it's just it usually helps to give us a better idea of their expertise so would this get right down into say i'm i'm a, a festival and i'm running a beer tent mm -hmm. uh, it's my first time doing it but i've partnered with a service club who's used to doing all kinds of beer tents um, now will you look into their past into their history is that part of my plan that i should be supplying 
as part of the information process? Yep, that definitely helps um, when you have an established uh, sort of partner that you're using for these, you know, for example, the beer tent. Um, you know, you have somebody who's been doing it 10, 15 years at, at these various types of events. It, it definitely helps uh, our comfortability with the, I guess, the insured overall um, because they have somebody who's already working in the in the space they know how to you know treat people who need to be removed from the beer tent they know all the protocols the proper licenses etc that you need to have in order to run a successful festival and peter let's draw you into the equation here as a, a broker and as an, a partner with the events I, I like to think of our insurance companies as our partners they're we're in this together Will you offer advice, uh, tips and hints on, on how to do something better or to do something differently that makes you much more comfortable as the insurance? Absolutely. I think it's uh, that's actually a key point because it also helps um, uh, mitigate possible risk and it also is, is key for for our insurance market to, to underwrite. So if we can help with any risk management advice, it actually lowers the risk and in the end, um, I, I don't want to say because uh, <laughs> in terms of premium, but in the end, it probably helps lower the premium as well. So if they're uh, seen as a better risk from our market, um, it, it's a, a win-win for everyone. So number one, uh, you'll see less incidents and possible claims from the event, and um, it'll streamline the, the whole event itself and offer potentially lower premiums based on that. But uh, we're ap- always happy to offer tips, hints, advice, and uh, as FIO members as well, you know, at, at the events that uh, that you put on, we're happy if anyone wants to stop by and, and provide advice as well. So in the process of, of, of meeting with your insurance company and going through that, that yearly cycle, what's, what's the optimum? I know in my past life, it, it was always sort of a three-tiered meeting. Uh, you know, we'd meet the first time to sort of review the last year, um, make sure there were no incidences out there that, uh, that or a footnote a few that yeah. might be something to watch for. Um, and then look for changes in the in the industry. How, how does that process work for you guys? Normally, we like to do a midterm meeting. Um, that way, we can discuss, like you said, things from the year before, and then also anything that is up and coming. Whether we want to look at event cancellation or something like that that hasn't been discussed in the past. So any emerging risks, because normally at renewal time, it's too late to be dis- discussing those. Um, you're rushing, you're going to make mistakes at that point. And then closer to you want to be 60 days, let's say 90 to 60 days, getting some more information ready for renewal. Has there been any changes in the events? Um, are you going to be including beer sales this year? Are you expecting more um, people coming by that type of thing? And then at that point, as a broker, we need to present that to the underwriter, for example, Aaron. And then she would look at it and say, you know what, this this is still good. We want to stay on risk for this year. This is our renewal premium. Or she may say, you know what, it's outside our appetite now. Please go find another insurance company. So, Aaron, is part of the process for you, are you looking at trends that are happening in the industry and in that although it hasn't happened to my event, you've seen it happen to other events, so you've got to watch out for this? That's more on the rating side. So if you have, um, say, an event that does have an issue, um, you know, their rates specifically go up. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else experiences big rate increases or premium increases. It's um, 
we more just trend things like weather, if it's going to be an outdoor festival, um, things like larger attendance, if uh, you have risks that or events that are going to, you know, triple in size all of a sudden from one year to the next. Um, you know, you can kind of look back at other accounts that have done similar things and sort of, you can kind of help guide as opposed to um, sort of tell people what to do, obviously. Um, but it sort of helps to shape our general idea of, of the risk. And we can then sort of discuss with the broker who can then discuss with the uh, organizers to sort of develop a strategy. In Ontario, there, you know, it's a wide province. There's a, there's a lot. When you're when you're testing the market, are you specifically testing the Ontario market against the Ontario market or are you going across Canada with event trends and, and how does that work? A bit of both. Um, a, you know, you can't necessarily compare an event in Ontario to an event in, say, Winnipeg. Um, there's the weather factor. There's the, the sheer size of the event. Uh, there's different draws to certain parts of, of the country. So we do look at everything, but also if, you know, there was an event in the same spot or somewhere in the city close to another event that happened two weeks ago, you know, we will sort of look at the factors that might be consistent and, um, and then weigh all the information that we obtain from the broker and sort of develop a, a feeling about the event. So, so event people like to compare different costs and stuff. <laughs> and, and obviously there's different components that go into those costs, but you could have an event that happens in Toronto, for example, and have an identical event in Kitchener, Waterloo, Right. or Windsor or London mm -hmm. and each of those events from an insurance point of view could have a different cost associated with them definitely yeah no and that's that's kind of the fun part about my job um no risk is exactly alike even if you have one festival in on a Saturday and another one on a Sunday in the exact same spot they're they, we can't treat them identically we have to look at them on their own merits so so what would be some of the differentiation things that you're looking for say from that uh, experience in Toronto mm -hmm. to that experience in London Ontario what what are some of the different points that you look for so depending on the size so um, of course Toronto's a larger city and and in some cases could draw a larger crowd um, but then there's things like public transit. So if it's something, it's an event that's, you know, downtown Toronto, but, you know, on the Toronto Island versus downtown Kitchener in, you know, a Central Park kind of uh, location, you've got things like noise complaints you have to think about. You need to know the entire timeline. Um, so things as much as, you know, the islands, they do say like 11, 1130 for shutdown. Sometimes artists will go long if, if it's a music festival, for example. But then you also have to think about transit. So how easily accessible are you to main transit? Because technically a lot, a lot of festivals do have alcohol. And so you want to make sure that you are not exposing yourself to the liquor liability if somebody drinks and drives and you know uh, something happens you want to make sure that you are basically think about all the things that could possibly go wrong and you know th those things could happen in Toronto they could happen in Kitchener so it's it's just being mindful of that and you know it does differentiate but usually the exposures or the things are very similar so what are some tips or hints that uh, an organizer should look for as they're preparing to have you in for that first meeting or second meeting? What, what should they have already done some due diligence on? On our first meeting, ideally, 
I'd like to see what they are currently insured for, um, what in company they're, they're currently with. That way we are apples to apples because the worst thing is they say, okay, we have this coverage, this coverage, this coverage. We go and get another quote and we say it is apples to apples and it turns out that it's not, then it looks bad on everyone. Um, so I want to see what they have currently in place. If there's any claims in the past, have they figured out as to why those claims have occurred and have they fixed that issue? And then also any changes in the upcoming new year or the new festival. I want to know anything about that. There's basically we're the frontline underwriters. Um, we want to try and get as much information as possible, whether it's through applications, um, through what they currently have experiences, that type of thing meeting some of their management staff, not only just the main organizer, but uh, people who are in charge of members, things like that. We want to meet with them. We get all that information, and then we'll go to the underwriters. And it's our job to present that to them in the best way possible. Just to jump in on what Eric's saying, uh, we understand that leading up to the event, the last thing people think of is insurance, and we don't want to make it a, a tough process. So um, we've tried to streamline an application in the past. They've been you know, eight to ten pages. We've tried to narrow it down to you know two or three pages with the key information. From there, we can uh, we can take out the um, uh, the important pieces and um, gather the underwriting we need, along ideally with a, an existing policy, um, to put something if we can better together. Or we can even advise that hey, you're in a good spot right now. So we don't want to take some out of a out of a policy that's um, you know, ideally uh, good for them right now, but we want to help improve and, you know, optimally um, decrease their premium uh, all at once if we can. So once we get that information, we would then forward it over to our insurance market. So it's obviously a niche market festival and events. Like you said, there's only about five companies that that you can deal with. So if I'm looking at different brokerages, mm -hmm. in the end, are they all going to those same five companies anyway? For the most part. That's probably the easiest way to boil it down. But that broker, remember, if that broker's not asking the right questions, they're not going to be portraying you properly to the markets. And then that market isn't going to be quoting you correctly. So it's a little bit of a ripple effect. So you want to have someone that is in the industry or around people who are in the industry that understand what to be asking. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a misnomer that going to a different brokerage, you're going to get a better price, for example, yeah. because you're all, they're all feeding yeah. into that same... That's right. Same it's pool. yeah. It's not so much you're shopping insurance markets. You're shopping the actual brokerage nowadays. And and brokerages, if you've got a good relationship, a good partnership, that broker is going to get you the best price regardless. How often do you put it to market to the different five, to the five different companies? Or that's a that's a tough question because if they're with the right market, you don't want to take it to market. Now, if the premium starts inching up and there's not a reason as to why it's inching up, then yes, that's when you want to go to market. Ideally, every, say, three years, three to five years. Um, if you're doing it every year, then other markets are going to get angry and saying, well, we've been quoting on this for the last three years, and we know you're just blocking the market so no other broker can come on in and get a quote. But then if a claim happens and then, say, whatever market you're with says, we don't want to be on anymore, you go to those other markets, they're going to say, hey, you know what? We've quoted five years in a row, three years in a row. We're going to tack on an extra 1000 or $2,000. Just for the... Just for, for the headache, the pretty much, yeah. yeah. Say you, your festival doesn't change year in, year out, and going through the budgeting process. Is, is there a rule of thumb that um, a percentage increase 
Like, do you do you bump it up two percent a year? That that's an Aaron question. <laughs> Nobody likes here. those questions, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's reality, right? As you're putting a budget together, and um, it, that that's not a hard and fast rule. Um, you know, we do want to reward the events that are you know profitable. They haven't had any issues, and you know, they have all their checks and balances in place. So to just arbitrarily say, okay, well, I'm going to charge you an additional $1,000, you know, that that doesn't really make sense. If there are issues um, or, you know, the little nuances have changed um, where you you might think, okay, well, it, the, the attendance has only gone up by 1,000, but, uh, you know, everything else is basically the same. It's like, well, not quite. You know, that's a big factor in how we sort of put together our terms and, and the coverages for the festival. Um, sometimes things go up with inflation. It really does depend. Um, chances are nothing's going to be exactly the same as it was the prior year, but we do try to keep things pretty seamless. And, you know, we don't, we're not the evil, the evil insurer who likes to throw on money for no reason. Eric Davidson, Peter Locke from Event Insure, and Aaron Wilkinson are our guests. We're talking about insurance. Back in just a minute. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged, and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. We're back on FIO on the air. Eric Davidson and Peter Locke from Event Insure and Aaron Wilkinson from Signature Live join us. We're talking insurance. Um, throw it out to the table. What are some of the new trends that uh, events and festivals should be looking for? From what I've heard um, through various markets is, I don't want to take this too negatively, but some of the things that have happened downtown Toronto or in certain cities has increased the risk awareness from markets. Um, whether it's shootings or people in cars going down the sidewalk, what have you. Um, there's more of a pressure towards emergency planning to see if, if events have even thought about it or if they're still naive enough to think that it's never going to happen to my event. That's one main one that I've heard. Also, weather. We discussed it in previous episodes. You have to check the weather network every 15 minutes nowadays. It's, it's uncontrollable, but it changes so fast, so... Those are two big things. And back with the first uh, example, I was actually on the Danforth this uh, the past weekend for the Taste of Danforth, just walking. And it's funny the things when you're in the insurance industry that you sort of pick up on but instead of the uh, food vendors and the activities. I'm now looking for certain risk factors. And I noticed every single side street and the main uh, streets, they had City of Toronto um, dump trucks, uh, nose to nose, preventing any uh, cars from coming and do the ramming. You know, there was the shooting not associated with the festival a few weeks back, and there were threats against the actual event um, leading up, whether it's Facebook or just, um, you know, propaganda. And the I thought the, the festival did quite, or the event did quite a good job of, one, the security, but two, just the um, the way the trucks were nose to nose. There was no way for, uh, for a vehicle to get on there, and it made you feel safe. And in some of those instances, it's it's 
you're working with your venue, whether it's a city, a municipality, or it's a, a privately owned facility. They they've got a lot of those procedures that from their insurance policy that they have to look after. How far down does the risk go for an event in, in some of those situations? Uh, I booked a venue. Are they at that point solely responsible for their venue and insurance or because it's our event at their venue, we're tied into possible risks? I think the actual venue would have um, you know, their own protocols in place. Um, for the venue itself and they're used to those sort of things but the event coming in um, you know they should have their emergency procedures and preventative uh, procedures in place leading up. I know there's a, a lot that goes into planning an event obviously not as, as much as um, you would or the uh, event planners themselves but um, one thing that we feel should be included are these um, procedures um, preventative procedures. And we're going to get into that, that whole topic emergency preparedness so basically, uh, as you're planning your event and your process and your insurances, it, not that it's a negative time, but you're kind of sitting around a table thinking what could go wrong, right? And is that, that's part of the process, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's funny, friends and family, they always call me like negative Nelly and like safety Sam. But it's true, you know, you, you go places and, and you kind of have to think in a festival situation what could go wrong you know worst worst case scenario what could possibly happen and that's kind of how you build on those procedures so peter you gave a good example of the taste of the danforth and and being a festival gore but you're also with your insurance hat looking at these certain points now is that something that all of you do uh, as yeah. part yep, of your yes. <laughs> that's part of the job now yeah. is that a report back to the company that you know we noticed these were issues or is that something that weighs into your firm's quoting on a project or whatever that you've noticed that yeah. festival a seems to have this similar problem every year i go back they're not addressing it yeah so premiums have to be adjusted accordingly yes. yeah because if if you can recognize an exposure or risk and you've told them about it and you know it's just a matter of time till something happens and they're not addressing it then it's more of a moral hazard than anything else again we're not we're not there to tell them how to run their festivals that's not our job it's just to kind of guide them and give them insights on how to minimize their risk but if 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 it's a major issue or if it's happened in the past and they're not fixing it i'm sure that's something that Aaron for example would be looking at going they haven't learned their lesson it's just a matter of time till we pay out. We're going to need premium to be able to counteract the the payout, essentially. So, Aaron, let's use that that example, that mm -hmm. very example. You go to a festival, and you notice a huge potential problem. Mm -hmm. Do you proactively search down the the management team to identify it then and there? Sit back and hope that nothing happens. What's the process? Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, but. that's fine. Um, well, because uh, uh, the insurance company, um, we're actually not licensed to give advice or anything like that. We can't actually speak to that kind of thing um, to the public. So I could sit back, but I, I, I would probably find a way if it was like something major, I would you know, try to track down my broker, even if it's the weekend, just to be like, hey, this is kind of an issue. Um, maybe you should speak to the insured. Um, you know, we're, we're not setting anybody up for failure. We don't want to have an issue. So we would put, you know, as much effort as we could into making sure that that's sort of rectified before something happens. 
And as brokers, do you make yourself available on the, those weekends? Or are you always in contact or? Yes. Um, normally on weekends, every call goes to my cell phone. Now, I'll regularly get calls on weekends. Am I actually actively working on weekends? Technically, no. But in the insurance industry, if your phone's ringing on a weekend, most likely something went wrong. There's something, and you you kind of feel bad if you don't pick it up. I don't know. That's my experience. I don't know about you, Peter. No, I'd agree. I think, um, again, we're, um, we have phone and technology with us all the time, email, phone calls. Uh, sometimes it's just a quick question to, to make sure everything's falling in line. But as Eric mentioned, usually if you're getting a call, there's something out of the ordinary, whether um, it's not always something negative, but... Um, more often than not, it's um, alerting us that something or a potential risk um, or something has happened. So again, it's just the nature of the job, and I guess it's technically 24-7. Uh, if we're not um, able to, to pick up at that time, we'll usually give a call right back. So, No, it's, it's, it's tough because sometimes the markets, for example, um, some markets deal with Lloyd's of London, which is in London, England. Um, so we have to deal with the time change, or some companies are out west where behind us being in Ontario so if we need to get something done for example uh, that minute to get a hold of a company that hasn't even opened out west it's a little tough so that's why we always say try and do all your due diligence the days building up to it so that you're not rushing the Friday when you're about to open the gates so in a, in a process I mean insurance is one of those things you hope you never use you don't realize how good your broker is until you actually need them to work for you. Yeah. I'm a festival and I've had an incident on Friday night, an opening night of a festival. At what point should I get in touch with my broker to identify the problem and, and start a process? Right away. Right away. So, so that, you don't yeah. sit back and wait till no. the event's no. over. No, because you identify. If, yeah, because if it happened on Friday and you just keep operating the same, there's something could happen on a Saturday and then the Sunday as well if it's a three-day festival. So to try and get on it right away. So as, a, as an event um, manager, I've had an incident. We've had a plan on how to deal with that incident. It's part of our preparedness. We tell you what we're doing to try to prevent further incidences, but we should still get in touch with you right yes. away and, and yeah. let you know what's happening. Yeah. One thing that's key is an incident report. So um, whether it's a log or something, just it doesn't have to be from anyone specific, just someone who's involved with the potential claim that's coming up or the accident that's occurred, uh, just as detailed as possible, sort of the location, date and time, who was involved and, w and what uh, took place, because ultimately that's what we're going to have to relay to the insurance company um, when the adjuster gets assigned for the um, claim. And those reports, are, that's a good point, because I know when, when you're hiring a security firm, they have a report, very detailed reporting structure that they have back to their head office or to their management team. As an event, you should make sure you get a copy of all of those, because you never know when a claim might come in after the fact. That's right. And you've got, don't have the documentation, so. That's right. Yeah, because claims, I think it's two years you can. Yeah put them in so you might be you think know, you're free and clear you might be yeah. free and clear and then you might get three claims two years from now who knows so that's one example of, of getting a report who else should you get reports from on a on, on i guess the venue yep yeah if there's uh say there's a slip and fall out in the parking lot um and it's like a winter festival and say uh at that point yes the venue would be most likely on for the claim because their snow removal contract with their snow removal company but at the same time any lawyer worth their salt is going to probably bring the event into it as well. Um, they're just going to 
send a claim at everyone and see what sticks. And and to that point, they're going to bring the claim in. I mean, fortunately, Canada is not quite like some other countries no. in the lower 40 <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, they, they can name the municipality. They can name the event organizer. They can get into sponsors. Yep. Usually yeah. that's what happens. Usually there's uh, it's you know, a, a number list. of com- a laundry list, and then it gets uh, sort of sorted out. And in the end, there may be one or two. But you're exactly right. There's usually a number of parties listed, and that's why just going back to the incident report, if the more information, the better. Um, just so it's not out of the blue when a claim does arrive, and everyone's sort of looking around, not knowing that it even happened in the first place. Even if it's something that, that's minor, it's always better just to at least document a little bit so you have something on file in case something bigger does come up. Part of that importance of your vendors and suppliers to make sure that they're carrying the proper premiums yeah. and that the coverages that they need to ensure that not only they're protected, but you're protected. Yeah. And I guess vice versa, they want to make sure that you that we're carrying the claims we need yeah. to ensure that they're that's right, because if they don't have it, the event's going to be picking it up, and then they're signing on for more risk than they actually want. Sorry, the insurance company <laughs> is signing on for more risk than they actually want. Yeah. Um, so in the event world, what are some emerging trends that you guys are following or, or looking for, or events should be themselves thinking about? I was going to say, what what are your, <laughs> what are your markets? What are my thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, it depends on the type of festival. Um, again, the security that's, you know, that's kind of really jumped to the forefront. Um, it's always been a big, you know, a big factor, but in, in you know, recent months, it's really come to light in, in the Toronto area. But um, things, it, d- it depends on the festival, you know. Um, you go to different types of music festivals, for example, and, um, you know, issues with drugs and, you know, people coming in while, while intoxicated. And these are things you kind of have to think about now. Um, you kind of have to assume the worst in people a little bit um, and, and hope for the best. But uh, so things like I was mentioning, um, so drugs, searching for drugs, but, you know, making sure that security companies are um, following sort of the letter of the law and not illegally searching people that's that's a big thing people overdosing and having the proper equipment um, on site EMTs medical professionals need to be on site in the event of an overdose for example and large festivals where you know there's a ton of people and you know rushing to the stage and all of a sudden some people get trampled so that's definitely something that is emerging and I think is becoming more clear unfortunately due to you know incidents where this has happened that's kind of where people sort of realize it needs to be more of a proactive thing than reactive when something is is kind of and of course in ontario if you're working with liquor the agco i mean they're making sure that you have all of these security and safety plans in place and you can't get a liquor license without Without them so do you work with the agco do the insurance companies not work hand in hand but (laughs) do you follow what they're doing as an industry um, related to festivals or events? Yeah, um, again, we, we would ask the exact same questions that they would. So when you're getting your permit or, or what have you, those questions we would need answered anyway. So we kind of, we, we require the same information to make sure that everybody's sort of on the up and up and on the same page. So um, if there are any liquor laws that change, you know, we, we are, you know, responding to that as well. So. And are you following the AGCO to, to watch their claims or their charges or 
only what sort of public knowledge. We don't have any insider information that way. Um, but you know, any 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 bit of media information when it comes to to this kind of thing does factor into sort of how we look at at festivals overall and and things that we look for you know individually in festivals to make sure that everybody's running the best possible festival they can so i'm gonna go right out right off the top of my head here as an insurer (laughs) yes year in year out what's your biggest claims all the time if we're doing things like event cancellation um it's a separate policy and it's basically just from the the second that the event starts to the second it finishes that's the only coverage period and that covers things like uh, the rain that we were speaking about earlier um, so weather related stuff so that you know you you cannot operate the festival Um, and then things like non-appearance so say you have some major major artists and all of a sudden you know a bus broke down in Florida and they're coming up to Toronto and they they cannot physically get here you know something like that would trigger a pretty big claim um, artist guarantees is another really big one so um, somebody who can't appear or you know you, the festival is it can't run because of weather and you have all these artists who are there and ready to go their contracts would would most likely have their artist guarantee fees in there and we have to pay those regardless of if the event went on or not so so is that artist guarantee is mm-hmm. that part and parcel of your weather package that that's separate okay so, so it's, a, yeah. se- it's a separate policy yeah so basically we it's almost like having one policy with two sort of limits within it so like you would have just your general cancellation for you know, weather related, for example. And then the non-appearance portion is for the actual artists or acts um, that, you know, you need to have in order to have the festival move forward. You know, if all your headliners are gone, you know, and it's a beautiful sunny day, the event cancellation weather portion wouldn't trigger, but the non-appearance part would. And I've talked to a number of festivals that have have had weather issues Mm -hmm. over the past and you know, I, th- I think sitting around that table must be a really stressful thing. But it all came back to me that no, not really, because it was all laid out by their insurance policy that, you know, when it goes from a watch to a warning, when it goes from a warning to uh, whatever the next mm-hmm. such and such. And at this point, you evacuate the facility yep. until it's cleared. So it, there's no, th- not that there's no thought into it, but if you want <laughs> your insurance policy, policy to engage the way that you've booked it. Yeah you have to follow the procedures that are laid out there. Absolutely. Is it, is it as simple as that? Yes. <laughs> if it's followed. If it's if followed. Um, you know, if you're, if you're doing everything correctly and, you know, you've put every procedure in place and just something happens, you know, that, that's just how it is. And, you know, we're, we're not there not to play, pay claims. We're there to pay claims when things happen even if it's the perfect scenario things happen and you know we understand that eric davidson peter Locke from Aventure, aaron wilkinson from signature live are joining us on theo on the air back in just a minute 
Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with Theo on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the Air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now, Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. We're back with Theo on the air, Eric Davidson and Peter Locke from Event Insure, and Aaron Wilkinson from Signature Live have been our guests. And we're, we're talking about the importance of uh, insurance and emerging trends, um, and really the importance of that meeting with your broker several times a year, and, and, and emerging trends and how they relate to the festivals. Last word on those. Aaron, we'll start with you. Um, just basically, um, the more information, the better, uh, that's, you know, that information is never your enemy. Um, we like to be able to look at the entire festival holistically and sort of determine how we feel about it. Um, even if you think it might be a snag or, or an issue, talk with your broker They're you know, they're the first line of defense. They can sort of advise and relay the message to us so that we understand the risk. So that's the biggest thing is we need to understand you. So in that process, you're talking to the broker, you're, you're really getting him or her um, versed on emerging trends and things are happening in the industry. They're then relaying that to the event people. Yes, exactly. So Eric, from a, from a broker's point of view, important, what's an important thing for the, for the festival to think about when they meet with you? Keep in mind that we work for the events. We don't work for the insurance company. Um, I know <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that, but. No, it's true, it's true. So when we're getting all the information, we're gonna try and, whether it's, I don't wanna say good or bad information, but as soon as we get it, then we can, we can put it together in a way that it portrays properly to the insurance companies and position them properly so that they get the best rates, coverages, that type of thing. If there's something that is kind of out of place, then we can advise on that. Again, I think we've said it earlier, we don't want to make it a difficult process for anyone, but we need to make sure that we check off all of our boxes so that we can sleep at night <laughs> um, because cutting corners, just it's just bad news. And Peter, from your point of view, those emerging trends, the last word on the importance of, of being part of that team? Yeah, I, I think um, we said off the air, um, an event 10 years ago is a lot different than one now. Um, we've seen a lot of changes in um, you know, demographics, trends, and, um, and frankly, risk factors. So um, as Eric mentioned, we don't want to be you know, a pain in order to get the information. And we really understand that leading up to the event, probably the final you know, 60 days out is, is your busiest time. Um, so we try and, and get the information ahead of time if possible, um, just so you can focus on um, handling the event. And again, from an event's point of view and from the broker's point of view, you want to know about everything that you're doing. If you've got a couple of new events that you don't really think an insurance is an important component, if there's people, if there's tripping hat, yeah. <laughs> it's an important. Yeah. So share as much information as you can. Don't hold anything That's back. That's right. Because it's what's not on the table that's going to 
Yeah, there's the secret axe throwing um, <laughs> event on the side of your main event. We'd like to know that that's yes, going on. <laughs> We've been talking insurance on, on this edition of Feel on the Air. We thank Eric Davidson and Peter Locke from uh, Event Insure and Aaron Wilkinson from Signature Live. On our next edition of Feel on the Air, we're going to talk a little bit about risk management and the importance of having an emergency preparedness plan. Thanks for joining us. If you have a topic that you'd like to talk about, get in touch with us, dave at festivalandeventsontario.ca, and we'll be glad to make it happen. Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air. Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario.